unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. Da-na-na, da-na-na. And please welcome Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of most ages? Hey, it's the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush. The place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. How do you like them apples? Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. As always, your place to get your raw and scripted conversations, whether it's me doing a solo show or if it's me jamming with a guest. And tonight I have an amazing, phenomenal guest who is about to be a published author. We're going to jump into that in just a second. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, just thank you so much for being here uh, live or on the replay. I know a lot of you guys catch it on the replay. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we're going to have an exciting show tonight. Um, we're gonna already got a bunch of people in the in the in the um in the in the room tonight. We got uh, Brittany. What's up, Brittany? Thank you so much. She says, "Yeah, I found it." Uh, my sister from another Mister Tara's in the house. She's like, "Let's go." Uh, we got Nicole. What's up? She goes, "Okay, I got the right one now." Good evening. Thank you, Nicole, for being here. So much, so much. Ashley, what's up, Ashley? Good to see you. She says, "Yay, what's up?" We got a woohoo. We got excited. Yes. Okay. So uh, then we got my my buddy. Uh, Margaret's in the house. She says, hey, Chris, what's up, Margaret? Good to see you. Happy New Year. Love you. We got Randy in the house. We got all the misfits for life in here. He's saying, hey, brother, for those of you guys listening on the podcast, by the way, guys, yes, the show is available on audio podcast. Here is the link. I know that's a long ass link. I'll paste it here in the uh, in the chat later on. But yes, the Ron Unscripted show and my other show, The Unfiltered Experience, are both available on podcast. Wherever you get podcasts, you can go in there and search Ron and scripted Christopher Roush. You can go in there and search the unfiltered experience. Uh, Christopher Roush, you will find them. Take us wherever you go with your podcast. We would love to have that. Uh, and of course, you can always find out what's going on with me at ChristopherRoush.com. You can go to my events page and you will see everything that I'm doing that week. You can go see the different shows. You can click get reminder and then you can be notified before we go live or when we go on Clubhouse, which is where I met my brother from another mother that we're going to be having on here at the show in just a second. Um, we had a little bit of a technical glitch um where the wrong uh the wrong link was shared out so we've got some of the people here so those of you guys are listening if you're backstage i see you kelly uh diana and clark um you guys are actually in the studio so uh, i'm not sure if you can see it but if you just go ahead and exit out of the studio and go on one of the links that's on social media uh, my my profile page walt's profile page you can go ahead and see it there uh, there was a little bit of error on that so no big deal uh, we're excited to have you guys in here we got kelly in the house she says super pumped we are super pumped. We got Jacqueline Rose. What's up, Jacqueline? Thank you so much for being here. She says, hello, Christopher. Rocking the walk. Rocking the talk as always. Yes, yes, yes. Rocking the talk. Rocking the walk. Um, I love it. I love it. We got Faith in the house. What's up, Faith McKinley? Thank you back. She says, I'm back. Let's do it. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Scott Jones. I just had a, I just done a live with Scott. Met him. He says, hey, brother, what's up? And uh, Tara says, bring it on, Walt. Bring it on, Walt. Well, without any further ado. Uh, I'm not going to mince words tonight because I want to get into this conversation. The gentleman I'm about to introduce to you, I have met, geez, I want it's probably only been probably three or four months. It's been crazy. Um, we met through a mutual friend, Princeton Clark, and we've been jamming on clubhouses. Uh, we've been jamming on a few lives. We've been jamming on Instagram. We've just been jamming all sorts of different places. And you're going to find that this is an incredible individual. He is the publisher. He's the, the author of a brand new book coming out, uh, which I want to show you the uh, I want to show you the book cover because it's killer. Um, check this out. Monsters in my house. Monsters in my house. Look at that. True story by Walt McKinley. 
Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are super excited to have this conversation tonight. Without any further ado, please bring on my brother from another mother, Mr. Walt McKinley in the raw and scripted house. What's up, brother? What's going on, fam? Hey, look, What's this, going is, on, raw, this is raw and unscripted. So let's just tell the truth. I clicked the back studio link and I shared it out far and wide. So, yes, if y'all are listening, forget my link. Go back to the post that I share with Christopher on it. Click the link in his um, in that post and, and then jump on in that way. So we keep it real around here, right, Christopher? That's what we're about. Uh, we're so, so a little snafu on my part, um, but I'm so excited to be here with your brother. And, um, you know, Ron Unscripted is a perfect forum for what we're going to talk about tonight. So I cannot wait to get in this conversation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We got some amazing people here supporting us. We got Tara in the house, our sister from another mister. What's going on, Tara? Thank you for being here. Um, yes, Ron and scripted. That is definitely the way we jam over here. And uh, I don't. I'm, I guess um, I just want to kind of jump into it. You know, I just showed the, the copy of the front page of your book, and I've had the opportunity to read. Uh, what do you call it? The, the the hook, the trailer, the, the the book teaser. The book teaser. Yes, yes, yes. And I want to. If we have time, I want to read a little bit of it later and kind of tease people with this. But uh, yeah, man, monsters in my house. When I first saw the title. I was wondering if it was like a horror story, if it was a thriller. You know, when we when you first started talking about it, I'm like, okay, what kind of book is this cat writing? But uh, talk to us a little bit about the title, Monsters in, in My House, and where that came from. Yeah, so the, the, the cover just elicits emotion, right? And if you look at the cover um, that you showed and you look at it really close, you can see the mask um, that, that I talk about in the, the book teaser. And Brittany, you'll be proud of me, book teaser. Um, and, and look, guys, the reality is, you know, I had a, a life nightmares are, are made from um, and had a life that a movie, movies are made of. And it's really one of those life uh, stories that go from extreme trauma, extreme tragedy um, to living very triumphantly. And so for me, I moved 14 times in the first 16 years of my life, um, being bounced around from parent to parent, sometimes kidnapped from one parent to the other, sometimes we're in foster homes. Um, sometimes we were just dropped off on doorsteps without any warning. And so throughout that entire cycle that I was in, whether it was um, parents, step parents, um, or foster parents, I was severely abused by every adult I came into contact with until I was 16 years old. But the amazing thing about this story and the amazing thing about what I want people to take from this is where you start doesn't have to be where you finish and your legacy or your history does not define your legacy. And you have the power to take control of your life and to let go of that pain and live in abundance happiness. And we'll talk more about it. I'm sure you got tons of questions, but I want to really talk tonight about at some point, we'll talk about what love does and what this world reads, uh, needs right now, because there's so many people living in quiet desperation that the world needs champions that are vulnerable and authentic enough to share these types of stories to inspire other people to continue to take their steps forward every single day. Mm, dude, I love it. Yes, there's so many different directions where you can go tonight. So I want to definitely maximize our time. Um, should we, given the fact of the subject nature, should we give any sort of trigger warning for anybody who potentially might be watching? Yeah, I think so. Um, so the, the topic's pretty heavy, guys. Um, like I said, I, it was extreme and torturous type abuse I went through until I was 16 and um, culminated with testifying against my father in court. So there's some tough um, things that we're going to talk about today. But if there's anything I've learned about my own journey, facing that pain and facing that unknown um, is followed immediately by abundance and light and living a happy, joyful life. And so um, even if you're here, if, you, if it generates some emotion, it just means that emotion is generating you 
um, and pushing you forward and propelling you forward to step into your gifts and your superpowers that you get from your trauma when you've healed. Amen. Amen. So I want to jump into it. We were talking a little bit earlier today. I'm writing my book now about my journey with my mom and, and et cetera, et cetera. You were giving, giving me some advice. You know, when you think about writing this book, I mean, I know for me, writing challenging stuff has been, you know, a very interesting retrospective look because we could sit there and say, you know, oh, I remember this and I remember this. And we could talk, you know, like a cursory story about what we've been through. But to really get in the nuts and bolts and have to go back and process those memories. What were some of the challenges in writing this book and revisiting some of those painful memories for you? Yeah. So for me, I, you know, I've been asked this question a couple of times and I think it is really important. And so I, I've got a lot of healing work to get me to where I'm at at 45 years old today. Um, but we my, my family, my wife, my friends, I, I've always shared my story quickly, right? Because I know the healing power that it can create in a safe space. But I always talk about events. I don't necessarily talk about the feelings associated with the events. And so um, you know, this is Ron and scripted, so I, I could I could drop an f bomb every now and again because I feel like for you guys to truly understand the power behind what I'm going to say, it needs it. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm trying to I'm trying to curb my cuss like a sailor, 20 year military career mentality, right? So, as I wrote the book, and I really dove into these spaces, and I and I, I thought about what were the smells that I remember, what what was the lighting like in there, what was each piece of the brick like what what was the, the was i sitting on a cold floor what were all of these things that i could bring the reader in to a point where they could visualize me sitting in the basement being locked for hours at a time in a cold dark ba damp basement in indiana um, and they can feel that triumphant as i climbed out of that pit of despair that i lived in for years and years and years and even after um you know i was saved from my purgatory right and you know what I thought as I went through it? And people say, God, what, what was that emotion that generated? What did you feel about that? And there were times I wrote it and I thought, damn, this is fucked up. Wow. Uh -huh. Wow. Like, how, I wonder how I got through that. Like, how, how am I normal? Much right. less happy, right? <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, this is so messed up. And I'd write some more and I'd write some more and I'd write some more. And, I, and then as I wrote the book, I thought, you know what? The thing I love about this journey is I'm not a victim. I'm not a survivor. I didn't just make it. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I wasn't just hanging on. Maybe in those moments I was, but now through my healing journey, I'm a fucking warrior from what I've been through. I'm a warrior from this abuse because I fought every day to keep trudging forward. And what I love about the way God's using me and this purpose of what I'm doing today is God is using me in a way that took my pain, turned it into passion, and now is teaching other people how to step through their pain so that they can continue um, to be a lighthouse in the dark for somebody else. And I got to tell you guys, like I'm, I'm the lighthouse in the dark for people, right? Somebody was the lighthouse in the dark for me and enough of us do some healing and enough of us share. Imagine a world where there's enough lighthouses where it ain't dark no more. That's Amen. what we're reaching for right now. That's what this movement is about. Yes, yes. And I love you to call it a movement because really with the state of everything that's going on in the world today, as, as of this taping, if you're listening to the show later on in life, right now we're on the second year of COVID. It's January 2022. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been going through a lot of psychological despair, uh, dealing with emotions, be, dealing with past traumas, creating new traumas for themselves or experiencing new traumas with everything that's going on with the hate and the divisiveness. Talk to us about the wall that, that before you decided to write this book, Talk to us about the Walt that, that came out of that situation, but still was in between healing and still in that, 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 that victim mode. Talk to us about that type of Walt and what are the, some of the things that you, uh, that you recognize that you started changing? 
Yeah. So, man, I think back to my my late teens and early 20s. And although my Aunt Diana had really pulled me from that purgatory and just poured love into me, which just gave me a chance to live, because honestly, I don't think I'd be here without that. I still had a lot of work and anger that I needed to work through, so much so that at 19, we were two days away from robbing a Circle K convenience store Whoa. because I was so angry. I didn't even care. Um, and, and we had case the place out. By the grace of God, my buddy Robert, his mother got sick to the hospital like she, they thought she was going to die. She's still alive today, by the way. That's a long time later. And, 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 and I had some time to think about what I was doing. And I went in the Navy. But even after that, if, if anybody even said something sideways to me, the level of personal attack I felt and the feeling of not wanting to be punked out after being punked out my entire life just made me want to fight people. And when I fought you, I didn't want to just punch you in the face. Like I wanted to break your arm. I wanted to smash a bottle on you. Like I was so angry in those moments. And what's wild to me is I, it was like I bullied the bullies, though. So if I saw some like women and children, um, I was so protective of them because I, I felt like I could protect them like somebody like I couldn't protect myself. And but but men, if you if I saw you bullying somebody, it gave me no greater joy than to bully you. And it wasn't like I'm a huge guy. I'm 5'10". I was probably 205 working out all the time at the point, but I just didn't care. And people knew I wasn't playing. And it took me a long time to take that fuel of hatred. Like, I'm, I'm damn sure not letting them hold me back. I'm not going to allow this to hold me mm -hmm. back in my life. I'm, I'm going to keep pushing no matter what's happening to say, you know what? I just want to create an amazing life for my wife and kids. I just want to love the people around me. This big, boisterous personality guy that people see when they walk into parties that carries this mask because I had all this shame and this pain that I was carrying, despair that I was carrying inside. As I healed and I let that go, I filled those places that were full of trauma with love. Mm. And as I filled those places that, 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 because that, you pull the trauma out, right? And then it's an empty space and, and it allows love to fill in there. My want to love people, my want to create a good life, my want to not be angry never changed. My capacity to do so did because mm. I filled this bucket with love instead of trauma and pain. And so it took it took me some years and it took me, you know, I'm lucky I didn't get shot. I'm lucky I didn't get just, just beat down by multiple people at some point. Um, and, and I'm so happy today um, that that I just I just don't take things personal like that. It's not worth my joy mm. perspective. I love it. I love it. You 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 were able to like visualize and sit there and see that this was this situation was not working for you it was getting you and it, it was perpetuating more trouble. So you started to recognize it. Do you think there was going into the service that that kind of shifted you and gave you that structure and kind of gave you a little bit of uh, of uh, a different perspective in life? Man, it did. Like I write about it in the book, you guys. And my wife was bawling when she read it because I met her not too long after I went in the service. So she's really read our life together. But from perspectives, maybe I didn't even realize to share at some point. And when I went in the Navy, you know, as I, as I went around my hometown, I would still see places and apartments that we moved back and forth to. And I would think about almost committing suicide at 13 in that apartment or getting beat with a belt until I was a, a, a lump of humanity on the floor in this apartment or drinking and partying and getting crazy in this apartment. I couldn't escape that. And so for me going into the Navy, it was a fresh start. You know what I thought when I went in, I thought this is, this is an opportunity for me to live the life that I've always wanted. This is an opportunity for me to just create 
the version that I've always wanted to be. And I just took that ball and I ran with it as far as I could. And that's not to say, look, healing's not linear. It's not to say I didn't have some sideways moments and I didn't lose my temper and I didn't have things that I needed to grow through still. Um, what, what it did allow me to do was the space to start, to really mm. start and move and start taking them steps forward in a much more profound way than I did when I was in my hometown. Oh, I love it. I love it. I want to capture some of these comments right now. Uh, feel free to get a drink, whatever you need. Uh, we got uh, we got Lynn in the house. Uh, let's see, go back here. We got so many people. Thank you so much, guys, for showing up here and supporting this show and sh supporting this conversation and supporting Walt. Uh, Kelly says here, powerful, badass. Uh, Nicole says, uh, your victim uh, doesn't mean you need to stay a victim. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here, Nicole. Uh, Tara says, 100% Walt. Amen. And our brother Lee says, amen. Yes, absolutely. Our brother, such a courageous man and a warrior of light. That's something you use quite often as warrior. Uh, I knew somebody that used to talk about, you know, you're either a warrior or a warrior. And you definitely uh, uh, exhibit the, the warrior mentality. And, you know, what's interesting about you, Walt, before I continue on the conversation with what people are posting here, is that, you know, you have really done a lot of work. You know, and some of the mm -hmm. stuff you described to me personally, and that's why I was asking that question, who was Walt before? Because I don't think a lot of people now would recognize you. What has it been for you in dealing with some of those past relationships? You know, not necessarily the people that were involved in the in the trauma, so so to speak, but your friends and the people that you hung around with. How do they see you now versus what they saw you as the 19 year old Walt that was ready to go hold up a liquor store? Yeah, it's wild, right? Because um, my closest friends really know the turmoil I was in. But even my best friend, Robert, and he's in the, he's in the book too. I talk about how we lived in, lived in my car. I slept in the driver's seat, slept in the passenger seat. We were too prideful to ask for help. And he understood some of that. But even he didn't realize when I started sharing more of this story now, um, where I'm at today, he called me and he said, bro, I didn't realize just how much pain you were holding on to. And when I, when I talk about living those lives, um, you know, living in quiet despair, that's it. There wasn't things that I was willing to share. There wasn't things that I was willing to let go of. And that's why the first thing I teach people is to speak your truth. There's such, you could write it down. You could burn it in a fire. There's so many, let it go in a blue. There's so many things you can do, but there is nothing more cathartic than speaking out loud how you feel and what's happened to you. And it's amazing how the level of resentment and pain starts to disappear every single time that you share that. So um, I'll give you an example. Recently, I had a, a friend of mine. Um, I haven't seen her for, since high school, right? And she's been doing um, PR marketing for 25 years. So we see her, we go out with some friends and we see her. And it was like, holy mackerel, I haven't seen you except for on Facebook every now and again. And she's gotten to understand my story now because she's using her marketing arms to try to do some things um, for me, get me on the news and do some other stuff. And she told me the other day, she goes, you know, I never knew you seem like a pretty happy guy in general. And that's the thing, guys, I was dying inside. My soul was crushed. But my aunt gave me that glimmer of hope. You know, it's like being in this cave and pit of darkness and despair and that, that, that love of somebody just hits you and it just gets down in there. It's like a beam of light that you can stand and just bask under and just pull in to give you hope of what life can be like, especially when you come from places that, you know, where I title my book, Monsters in My House. You know, you come from that and you get just a little taste of that. And you're like, man, that's the feeling I want. That's the feeling I want to run after. But I, I held the mask on for a long time. I really did. 
Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what we do. I mean, so many people are doing that right now. And that's why, you know, both you and I advocate that vulnerability. That's the space we hold in the clubhouse rooms that we do. You do your clubhouse rooms. I do mine. Lee does his. We're all there joining in. But the one thing that we make always very uh, importantly known is the fact that it's a safe space. And the fact that vulnerability is not a weakness, it's actually a strength because the sooner you get raw and real with your emotions, the sooner you can deal with them and the sooner you can process them, the sooner you can start that healing process, which mm-hmm. is what you've gone through. Yeah. Um, I want to capture, we got uh, uh, Ashley says here, preach Walt. Absolutely. Um, Robert says here, he says, Ken Walls was a lighthouse for me. Uh, we both know Ken Walls. Uh, Faith says here, what a beautiful moment. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Faith, uh, for being here. Uh, Tara says, you remember its perspectives and gifts. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Nicole says here, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been talking all day. Uh, even almost 12 years ago, uh, you still was battling with forgiving my dad. It takes time and will happen when people are ready to forgive. Absolutely. We're going to talk about forgiveness here in just a few minutes. Uh, Tara is as uh, wise beyond her years. She says, hurt people, hurt people. And look at you now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That I mean, your story really, truly is is absolutely inspiring. And I know that people are going to get so much value out of reading this book and eventually watching the movie, which it will be made into. We were talking about that. We could feel that coming. Uh, definitely, we'll make it a double bill. It'll be, it'll be the Walt and Chris movie nights. Uh, Let's go. You know, it'll, it'll be crazy. We'll get up there and we'll, we'll get everybody pumped up. That this is not a sad situation. This is a, this is a, this is a celebration situation. Uh, Tara says, you're so good, so good. Um, Ashley says, yes, not worth your joy. Uh, I was just talking about joy just a little while ago. And Lee says here, uh, FYI, it's not worth my joy. That's gold. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I've got Andrew in the house. Thank you so much, Andrew, for spending your time with us. He says you're helping others to help them not fall between the cracks by speeding Mm. up and out. Uh, We have been there. Keep running with your ball. Absolutely. Uh, Faith says here, your abuse does not define you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We got so many, so many different comments. Uh, Faith says here, Jordan is proud of you. I'm guessing Jordan is somebody. My nephew. Yeah. Nephew. Yeah. Um, that is beautiful. Um, when you think about writing this book and we're going to get to the details of the book here in just a few minutes, but what impact did this have on your family, your direct family, uh, your wife and your daughters sitting there saying, okay, listen, I'm going to go through this process. I'm going to write my story. I'm going to make this public. You know, there may be opportunities where people are going to view you differently or see me differently. What, what kind of, uh, support and feedback did you have from your family when you were going through this process? Yeah. So I, I think first it's important to understand, like, why did I step into this process? So my, I wanted to be a speaker for, for over two decades. It's my jam. I love it. Inspires me, fires me up. My wife has been telling me since she read a book called The Glass Castle, I needed to write a book. She's like, babe, look at this. You need to read it. I read the book. She goes, you need to write a book of your life. It's just so crazy. And, you know, that we're all about authenticity, right? Run and script it. And I think people need to know I was still Part, part of a superpower that I have and a gift from my trauma is that my level of initiative is off the charts, right? But part of the trauma from when I was a kid that I hang on to is running as far away from my childhood to create a different legacy for my kids and a different lineage of not only like what it's like to live in a home and a safe home, but also to have money and not go without food and not be broke. And, and so, you know, I'm, I've had a career in the military, 20 years, retired as an intelligence officer, um, went to corporate America, was killing it, promoted three times in four years. I was on the cusp of a fifth promotion um, in a Fortune 300 company and and work just was piling on. And, and, and me, I'm, I'm like, I delegate well, but I'm still just, cr- I'm going, going, going. And I got to the point where my wife one day, I just was frustrated. I was hungry, had nothing to do with her. I felt aggravated. And I'm like, oh, it's like six o'clock. Like, are you going to start dinner? And she's like, 
that was kind of uncalled for. She's like, what's wrong with you? And I told her in that moment, I said, and I started to break down. I was like, you know, babe, I'm not physically or emotionally tired anymore. I'm tired in the depths of my soul of who I am as a human being. And what I didn't realize is even with my superpowers and the success, I had still been in flight mode, like that fight or flight mode my whole life. And I hadn't stepped into my purpose and doing what I'm doing now. And so my wife really sat and we talked about it. And she goes, you've been wanting to do this for so be a speaker for so long. I told you needed to write a book for so long. Screw it. Let's just just leave corporate America. She doesn't work. We left 80% of our income, but I got two teenage daughters too. And she's like, screw it. Let's just do it. It's time. It's, it's time for us to do what we've been talking about for 25 years. And, and I started writing the book where I just, I left corporate America. It's scary as hell sometimes, right? I left corporate America and I just stepped into this process. What's amazing about the process is those people who love me the most couldn't have been any more supportive. So supportive, you guys. And, and, and it's just the healing power that this has done. I've seen my sister f- continue to face her trauma and, and get to the point because she wants to write her book too. And if y'all think I got a story, wait till you hear hers. I've seen my aunt who saved me, but still had to go through resolving some of her childhood trauma, really face her own trauma. Um, I saw, I you know, recently, and it's amazing, my own mother, I talked mm. to her a couple months ago and I said, and this is what, this is what being an example is, right? Of one person breaking the cycle and going all in to make a change. This is why every one of our voices is so important. My mother, a couple months ago, she, she asked me for the first time ever. She said, how in the hell are you so happy? I want to know how to get there. And because she's Great living question. with her, she's taking care of her 85-year-old narcissistic mother. And I said, I, I can help you. Like, mom, it's what I do. I can help you. I, I know I can, but I can't do it while you're drinking. Mm, and true. She's kind of, I said, but I'm here. When you're ready to get serious, I'm here. And I was so happy and, and astonished, actually, this week. I talked to her, um, and it was Saturday, as a matter of fact. And she goes, you know what? You would be so happy. She, she goes, I went to the doctor, and I got some um, medication so that I get sick if I drink now. And I'm sober for two weeks. No way. Go on. Wow, right? Like, okay, yeah, Nicole put it in there. 19 days sober now. You guys, like, I've never known my mom not to drink because she had trauma happen to her. It left her, it left her with unresolved trauma where she's always wanted to love herself and her kids in the way that she sees it, but she's never had the capacity to because that bucket has just been full and dumped full of trauma that she had such a small sliver of love to get. And she's lived her life in pain. And at 66 years old, and it's, 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 I get emotional talking about it. It's powerful. It's powerful that she would make the decision at 66 years old to say, you know what? She told me, she goes, I can't heal from my trauma if I'm drunk. So, and, and I know that she wouldn't have done this if I wouldn't have been on this mission I'm on right now. So how powerful is that, that you could be the thing that starts the chain reaction for everybody? And I knew I would help other people and heal other people. I never even considered the impact to my family and what it would do for them. So how magical of a life is it going to be in this place to help people and help my family? And 
just bring people together in a healed space so we can just have a freaking better world than we got today. That's for sure. Ooh, can I get an amen on that? Ooh, dude, that is powerful. That is powerful because so many people I talk to who write books like this, inevitably, when I ask them the question, like, so talk to me about the relationships you have with your family now, you know, post scenario. And most oftentimes they're like, oh, I don't talk to that person. You know, they're, they're distanced from my life or they're going to hate when this book comes out and all that other stuff. And I think about the respect that I have for you. And also, and I learned this from reading Will Smith's book recently. And in that he talks, he tells, he tells everything. And he says, here's what I did. He goes, because I was talking about certain people in, in this book, he goes, I sat there and I read to them what it is that I was going to write to them. And I explained to them why it is that I was writing that about them and the healing power that that is intentionally supposed to have. And he said, when he was, when he was talking about this in an interview, he said, some people took issue with that, especially his mom and some other people. He said, but ultimately they saw the vision for what it is that he was going to be doing. And, you know, his book is, is changing lives. So I can see that definitely for you. Think about in the writing of the book and think about what you, what you included in there. Talk to us about like, you know, give people an overview of what, you know, some of the traumatic events, you kind of glossed over them a little bit, but talk to us about some of those, those real events that, that you went through, but also in looking back now, you're able to see the lessons that you learned in that and are able to now, you know, pay that forward in the fact of what you're going to be doing as far as healing. You're, you're, you're a trauma coach now. You're helping people go through that. You're excellent at it. I've seen you do it in Clubhouse. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of those experiences because I want people definitely to get a perspective of some of the stuff that you went through to, to create the man that they're seeing, that they're seeing today because that's massively important. Yeah. So look, guys, I'm going to give her a trigger warning. I'm going to pause for a minute because I'm about to talk about some really deep, heinous stuff. Not the kick, slaps, punch, neglect beatings that people get when they're abused. I'm going to take it to another level real quick. So I want to give you a second to jump out if you feel the need to. So I'm just going to pause for five seconds. All right. <laughs> Look, guys, besides name calling, belittlement, kick, slap, punch, beat with belts until I was a heap on the floor, my, there's a lot of even worse things that have happened. My first childhood memory was by my um, foster mother. And I get flashes of this. She was pinning me down. And, and I took me out of the closet. She locked me in, pinned me down, and put splinters underneath my fingernails. That's my first childhood fuck? memory. And, and face on here, she remembers. I remember, I, I remember seeing her, and she's chained to the bed in the bedroom, reaching towards me because she wanted to be my protector. Wait, wait, and, wait, wait, just, so your, your, your sister's there, she's chained to a bed, your foster mother, the person that's supposed to be taking care of you after the situation you've been in is putting splinters underneath your fingernails. Right. And, oh, crap. and, you know, I passed out from the pain and she smacked me in my face. So I would come back to and threw me back in the closet. And that was my first childhood memory. And we were in that position because we were being beat and the um, babysitter saw bruises on us and called CPS. And so my sister and I got taken out of our home and, and put in there. And after that, there's a lot of things that happened, right? So um, the, next, the next kind of milestone event thing that happened and the reason I call this book Monsters on My House and that depiction of not only the werewolf mask, but my stepfather um at the top of the stairs is there is because in that moment and you can see in the look in the concrete right mm -hmm. you can see the mask my punishment at seven and eight years old when we lived in lafayette indiana was to get thrown into the basement and so you guys read that if you haven't read 
the book teaser, go to www.monstersinmyhouse.com and download. It's free. And you're going to really see what happened. And those of you guys who read this, you understand the depths of hell that I really went through. And he used to drag me by my hair and I'd be trying to fight my way off some skinny, frail, seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid and throw me to the bottom of that staircase. And I knew that there was a Halloween mask down there. It had neon green hair. It had a kind of a faded white face. It was a werewolf mask with blood dripping down its teeth. And, and he would throw that down in there with me. On this particular story that I told, he literally lifted it above his head because I was beating on the door to get out. I was terrified. Imagine at eight, like you're just jumping over your bed because you're afraid a monster is going to grab your ankles. Right. I'm down there in the dark. He pushed me down the stairs. And in that moment, you know, of him holding the mask, he, he made me go down to the bottom. He threw it at me. It hit me in my leg. I let out a blood curdling scream because to me, it's alive. It, it just bit me. Right. And I, I'll never forget. I kicked it to the bottom of this. Um, you know, the, there was a little step and I kicked it to the main part of the basement. And I remember standing there and looking right at him. And then kind of looking in the dark and I was, I can hear is the tapping of the nails and my imagination's running wild in that moment. And thinking to myself, I have to choose between two monsters, the one at the top of the stairs and one at the bottom of the stairs, you know, and, and during this time period, we're getting kidnapped from one parent to the other, getting picked up in the middle of the school day. We go from him at California down to San Diego, California, because one parent got a wild hair up their ass and wanted to pick us up. Um, we're getting dropped off on doorsteps. We're getting, severely physically abused in this process. And I got to the point at 13 years old where I'll never forget this. My dad was dating a woman and I, I liked when she was over because he was, he wasn't hitting me if she was around. And he talked, he's talking at dinner about going um, to Disney, Disneyland, right? Um, because he went to LA from Yuma, right? Like that. And he, so I'm getting excited. Like, shit, we get to go. What up? Like, we can't even eat half the time. How the hell do we get some money for Disneyland? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> and right. And, and right. he um, and he literally, you know, she leaves. And I was like, so um, this was this was the, the first part of the week. And I'm like, oh, awesome. So I don't have basketball practice on Friday so I could go. And he looks at me and he says, what makes you think you're going? And I, and I said, I thought I was going. And he goes, well, I love her, not you. So why would I take you? And at Seriously. 13 years old, I'm stone cold serious. I read about this in the book too. At 13 years old, he leaves me at home by myself. Leaves me at home by myself with enough money. I'll never forget. I don't ask why I remember this part of it to buy the, the green and white Sean Kemp basketball sneakers for basketball season and a little bit of money for food to fend for myself for four days. And I'll never forget at this time. Um, my, my sister had moved with my mom, but then my mom didn't want to take care of her anymore. My sister's in the system, faith's in the system. She's a, um, you know, she's in California going through, you know, this is why her story is so damn crazy. Um, you know, my, my other little sister, Nicole's with my mom somewhere, probably an organ at that point, because my mom and this other guy were trying to be, work on a weed farm. I mean, it's wild, you guys. It's wild. And, and, I, and I'll never forget. And, and by the grace of God, he literally saved my life this day. I'm not joking, you guys. And I'm so angry. And I hadn't seen my mom at this point for like four years. I hadn't got to see my little sister since, since I left um, to go back and live with my dad. And, and I'm in there and, and I'm angry. 
and I'm just telling myself and I'm trying to get the courage to take my own life. And I wrote a suicide note and I'm like, I, I'm going to show them what it's like not to have me here. I want them to hurt as bad as I do. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to see what it's like not to have me here. And I went and grabbed a knife from the butcher block in the kitchen and I ran into the bathroom and still to this day, I don't know why I put my, like my palm up. Right. And I, and I stuck the knife into my wrist and I froze. I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. And something kind of grabbed my hand and shook my hand. I dropped the knife on the ground. Whoa. And it was like, like I get emotional about spiritual moments like this, you know, it's like the pain and despair and the shame and the feeling of not being loved and wanted and beaten, belittled and tortured my whole life by every single adult that I knew that was, that I, that I was around for more than one day, it seemed like was gone. And in that moment, it was, I felt like almost like I was floating back into the living room. And it was like, I could feel this golden armor going over me and like a breastplate, you know, how it's like kind of chiseled and it tucks underneath, you know, and like, that's what I was imagining. And I would need that armor for the next two years while I continued to get beat and tortured by my father. And, you know, this culminated with, and my aunt Diana, Zanir, Diana Manley, this culminated with her and I devising an escape plan. Because think about this, 30 years ago, right? 30 years ago, CPS, they got struggles now, they're trying. But 30 years ago, they really weren't invested in the same way. And when I was 15 and a half, I used to call my aunt, like he hit me again, he hit me again, and he would get drunk and pass out or make me go to the store and get, you know, buy something for him or take food stamps and go get enough pieces of gum where it would get enough change where he can go buy beer or whatever it was. And I would call her like, and she would just come over like it was nothing. She's like, Oh, I'm taking your cousin Brent to the circus today. Hey, tell my dad, Walt, Hey, Walt, can I take him with me? And he's like, I don't care. Get his fucking ass out of here. I don't want him here anyway. And she would just take me just to escape. And we hatched a plan to get with CPS and get me the hell out of there at 15 and a half. And I'll never forget my aunt calling me and saying, CPS can't take you out of the home until he hits you after I reported it. What? No matter what happens. <laughs> and she goes, I'm so sorry. And she, my dad would have had her arrested for kidnapping. I'm not joking, you guys. So sorry. And, and then CPS said they were going to come do a health and welfare check. So I'm, I'm, like, holy shit, if they come to the house and he knows I told, he might really kill me. And um, I didn't have to wait that long. Two days later, he punched me on the side of my head in front of five of my friends, twice knocked the hat off my head, and I could hear at Diana's voice, he hits you again and you just run. And I'm not trying to make light of this, but it was like that run, Forrest, run moment, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, just run, Forrest, run, right? Run. And I'll never forget, I leaned down and I looked back up at him and I got my hat on the ground and I'm in this like the sprinter's position almost already. And I just said for the first time in my life, I can, I can run. This is it. This is my chance. I don't know if I'm gonna get this chance again. And I just ran mm-hmm. and I just ran and Usain Bolt couldn't have caught me that day. I hauled ass and I can hear him. You better get over here, boy, one, two. And I'm like, not even looking, but in my imagination, he was right on my ass. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm hauling. So we looped back in the apartment, in the apartments we lived in, there was a bunch of different buildings. So my buddy lived two buildings away from mine and I could hear my dad yelling for me still. We sneak back, 
call the cops. The cops come arrest my dad that night. Six months later or so, four months later, six months later, I'm testifying against my father in court. Whoa. And that and then this is the last 16? 16. 16. And I'll never forget, I was so nervous. It was a, one of the worst days of my life. Because although I wanted to be vindicated against at least one of my abusers, I still knew I was testifying against my dad, who who was representing himself. Huh? So he tried to make all the kids out to be a liar by asking what hand he punched me with because he was left-handed. Him thinking everybody's going to say the right hand. And every single one of those kids, my aunts told me this, she said, every single one of them kids was kind of like, your left hand. And so when I got my turn on the stand, he was frustrated and pissed. And he starts in on me. And at one point, the judge says, Mr. McKinley, if you talk to your son like that again, I'm going to hold you in contempt of court. And he's like, I didn't do that to you, did I, boy? And I just let out a yell. I was like, you, you know what you did to me. You've been lying all along. You know you hit me and you know you've been beating me. And... He goes, boy, I'm, and the judge was like, Mr. McKinley, I've heard enough. And he goes, if you treat your son like this in this courtroom, I can only imagine what you treat him like at home. And he, and he looked at me, he goes, son, you can get down. Thank you very much for being honest. And, and, they, and they convicted my dad that day. And I remember sitting in the chair and just leaning back in the chair like, oh my God, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And just that feeling of emotion, like, God, I get emotional about it now, that feeling of emotion of just the freedom from this purgatory, this lifetime of abuse, because one person made the choice to say, I'm not going to be a silent witness. Mm. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to show this boy love. And by the way, my aunt was 24 years old, married with a newborn son, trying no. to figure out life herself, her oldest brother and the youngest sister. And had the balls to stand up to her brother and not let that happen again. And, and Diane, that, right? that was the beginning of my comeback, y'all. That was the beginning of my comeback. Aunt Diane, right? Yeah, Aunt Diana. Yep. Ooh, thank you, Aunt Diane. You are a saint. I love you and I've never even met you. But wow, wow. There's so many comments coming in there. I don't even have the time to get into all these. Um, but yes, yes. Uh, let me just capture some of these. Dude, um, Tara said here, I wanted to capture this. She says, are heartbreaking. I cried in that chapter. Absolutely. I can't even imagine. Uh, Christina says here, sad that people live their whole lives without healing from abuse. Great for you, helping others with your story. We have to personally uh, choose to grow and to recover. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, yes. So heartbreaking. Oh, Lord, help me. Buddy Scott's in the house. He says, that's horrible. Um, Diana, she says right here, me too for three hours. Um, Tara says here, I cried a lot during, I cried a lot during this book. Uh, resiliency, love woven together in, in that, is that what, that's what he present, re represent, I can't talk. I'm like choked up thinking about this. Uh, that's what he represents. Um, Scott says here, keep doing the work. Glad you are healing. And, uh, Nicole says here, I have read, I've only read the preview, which was hard for me since it's my dad. I cried for both. Absolutely. Um, let me see what some of the other ones are. Thank you guys so much for being here. This is, this is amazing. I love the support awesome. that that's, it's turned out here for Walt. Uh, we got our brother Princeton in here. He says, I love you, brother. I never worked with anyone who has embraced their story in such a special way. To watch you manifest your impact is like watching the rise of a giant. You will help so many people heal. Yes, yes, yes. That is so, so true. Um, thank you for that, Princeton. Um, Kelly says here, power of God. He had a bigger plan for you. 
Yes, uh, Nicole says here, I had that moment too when I had to decide to be better than my parents. Um, you know what's crazy about this dude is um, I've talked to a lot of people. I've mentored a lot of kids in the foster care system. I worked uh, directly with the uh, Olive Crest Children's Foundation. And I was mortified in talking to these kids thinking from my perspective, not ever having been in foster care or <laughs> in that situation, I, I got the shit beat out of me by my own mom. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. um, but I was so shocked thinking that People become foster parents because they want to help kids like in your situation, but yet they a lot of them do it for money. And I was mortified. One of my buddies who was on my other show um, had talked about the fact that, you know, he went to the foster care system. He was raped by other parents, yeah. um, other kids. Uh, you know, it was just horrifying that how could these people actually make it to be qualified to be foster parents and still have that situation happen, plus your own parents. Um, you know, in the interest of time, because I know we could talk about so much and go in so many different directions, um, you know, and thinking about, uh, your healing process, you know, and thinking about this, I know for me and the abuse that I sustained from my mom, mental and physical for up to 17 years of my life. I know for me, part of my healing journey was because so many times she said, you know, I did the best with what I could, I did the best with what I had. And I'm like, mom, no, you were a grown ass adult. You could have made so many different choices. You could have done this. You could have done that. And I held so much resentment and anger for her. And it wasn't until, you know, as far as my healing process goes and, and going to seek therapy and being able to talk about it, because I never told anybody about that. It was like mm -hmm. my secret. Um, in being able to find forgiveness and empathy for her, I had to take a walk in her shoes. Talk to us about where you're at today with your relationships, with your family, with the people that cause the, these these situations with you. And are you still mad at them? Do you have a relationship with them? You know, talk to us about that that healing process for you and being able to to. For me, it was understanding what she had been through in her life to have empathy and forgiveness to say, okay, if I would have gone through those same things, might I be like her? And I was able to answer yes. I still had issues with like, well, you're still you know right from wrong, but it allowed me to have a lot of empathy and forgiveness for her. So. What has that process been for you and what are your relationships like with those people now? Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand, you know, when you go through trauma, like you don't really ever stop loving your parents. You stop loving yourself. Mm. And, you know, it's wild for me to think. And, and even my wife, sometimes she tell me, I can't believe you talk to your dad. But you I know I still talk to, to be him? a good son. He's passed away now. Okay. Um, but I did. My last memory with him was I, I flew across country when I was in the Navy from Virginia to San Diego and took him to a San Diego Charger game. Um, and, and so I found forgiveness, but let me tell you guys, what's so powerful about as like empathizing first Sure, is I know my mom grew up abused has a narcissistic mother, like really had heinous things happen to her. And then she got with men like my father, um, like, like mm -hmm. Bruce who also beat her. And so she just experienced trauma her whole life. Um, my father, my understanding is he was molested by a babysitter. And then my, my uncle told me he was groomed by this. There was this man who groomed a bunch of teenage boys in the neighborhood. When he was 16, he was molested by a man. And the thing is, I never like their pain that they had had nothing to do with me. Yep. The way that they abused me had nothing to do with me. They hated themselves. They mm -hmm. hid in the despair and shame. Like they hid in the corner in that darkness instead of finding that light and stepping into their power and abundance. And there's so many people who are so afraid, so afraid of that pain and that what looks like this tunnel of darkness, but you ever gone through a tunnel in the mountain and it turns and it's dark as hell, right? You're, you're in the middle. And as soon as it turns, you can see the light out in front, right? You see the little light out in front. 
And I, I'm going to tell you guys what I know. And there's so many of you warriors that are out here. Chris, you're another one. We know that there's light at the end of that. But I'm going to tell you what was the hardest thing for me. And that was some for, for forgiveness. Yeah. It was really hard for me. And I, and I was able to forgive my father um, and my mother easier, right? Like I just did, I didn't want to hang on to the pain no more. I needed to let it go. Um, it's not like I ran and said, I, I forgive you for everything you did for me. What they did to me wasn't okay. They did victimize me, but I refused to let myself be a victim. Instead, I used it. What my, and what happened to me is rocket fuel and to empower me to live my best life and now help other people live theirs. But I'm going to tell you the hardest person for me to forgive was Bruce. And I remember seeing him at 19 years old. And I talk about this in the book too. There's so much more, you guys. Like, like I, I can't wait. I purposely haven't asked you to read it because I want to yeah. read it when I have it in my hands. That's why I haven't asked oh. you because I'm like, I just want it. When I get it in my hands, I want to sit down and go through that. I have left so show, much. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I have <laughs> left so much out, you guys, of what I just told you guys. I only told you guys a couple stories. So, and I remember at 19 years old, and I hadn't seen my mom in nine or 10 years. I brought my wife back home to visit my family. It was the first time she met at Diana. The first time she met Faith. And so I met Faith at my mom's house in California. And, um, and and my little sister's there. And I hadn't seen my little sister in years either. So my little sister is talking. And, and uh, Nicole, you'll remember this. Talking by the master bedroom let out to a carport. So she's talking by the door. And I see this man standing there. Well, here I am thinking it's like my mom's boyfriend. Because I, I couldn't tell you who the hell it was, right? So I go out and I get a cup of water. And I'll never forget. I get a cup of water. And I turn to go back into the living room. And I'll never forget um, walking back into the living room and I turned, I was like, Hey, what's up, dude. And I look at him and he was like, Hey, Hey, Walt, how you doing? I'm not kidding you. This is not an over-exaggeration. I took two steps and it hit me who it was. And I was like, and I've never felt angrier in my life than that specific moment. Cause now I'm a man. Oh yeah. And by the way, I'm a man who lashes out at other men. Mm -hmm. And I look at Stephanie was like, are you okay? Cause she didn't really see the super angry side of me like that. Right. And your eyes and are turning red, and red. Like yeah, smoke's and she, coming out of your, and she's like, your whole face changed. And I was like, that's Bruce. And I looked at my mom. I said, if you don't get him the fuck out of here, I'm going to go stab him to death and I'm not playing. Mm. And my mom looks at my sister faith and face like, well, don't you better get his ass out of here. And so the only reason I didn't, to this day, the only reason I didn't is because my little sister was standing right there talking to him. Mm. That that made me refrain from doing it. And so he leaves. So you think you do all this work and you think you have this forgiveness. And over time, I realized, like, I can't hang on to this pain anymore. Like, it's, it's not fair to me right. to hang on to this shit that I'm holding on to that's making me angry and lash out and frustrated and, you know, just, just this backpack of just damage I was hanging on to. And I, I, I let that go. I was like, I have to forgive and just give it to God in my case, right? That's where I find my spirituality from. Just give it to God. And so I can live a happy life. You know why? Because Stephanie deserved me to be happy. I deserve to be happy. And I never called Bruce and said, I forgive you. But you know when I found out I did? Because sometimes you don't know until you see the person again. I felt like I did at that point, right? right. And my little sister gets married, I don't know, nine or 10 years later, um, somewhere around then. I can't remember the exact time frame now, but a, a while. And I go to her wedding. Well, I know he's going to be there, right? And so I was able to walk up, shake his hand, tell him congratulations. And we didn't get chummy at dinner. 
right? Wasn't like I gave him a hug. What's up? Long time no see. No, that wasn't that wasn't it. I, I just told him. Face. Yeah, I just told him congratulations. He shook my hand and said thanks, and then I went and hung out with everybody else, right? Because it's my sister's special day, and there's not a chance in hell I would have spoiled that for her. Yeah. And I'll tell you, even even him, and he told my sister this. He goes, "I did some really bad shit to you and your um, your sister and your brother that I that I'll never forgive myself for." He knew what he did. Only he was so hurt. That inner child, that little boy, mm-hmm. was so hurt that he couldn't control his anger in those moments. He he drank and he did drugs, and then when he would do it, it would come out like a damn monster. Right. This anger, this inner anger that he just that just buried his soul. And this is why forgiveness is so important. You guys, I want you guys to really hear me. Yes. You cannot hang on to that pain. You're not giving them a way out. You're not allowing them the freedom. Guess what? They're living their own life anyway. They're living it anyway. And you're sitting there in the pain that you're still sitting in. Finding forgiveness, to finding space to forgive, understanding Hurt people, hurt people, hurt others. That's why 78% of the time, abuse is perpetrated by family members. It's generational. That's what happens. But as you heal and as you allow yourself the space to let that pain go, and that's to me, was the hardest piece, right? Some people find it easier. I understood that they were hurt people. Didn't make it okay. And I said, you know what? I don't want to hurt like that anymore either. I need to let this go for me, not for them. I don't even care if they ever know. I need to let it go for me. And man, when you find that freedom, that freedom, it's like you've been drowning your whole life mm-hmm. and you come up for your first breath of air. You know, like you're underwater, you're a bit in a pool and you come up, you're like, <gasps> that's what it feels like. And that's when you expose your superpowers and you take the gifts of empathy and grit and resilience and compassion and um, just the connection with people. And you take these gifts that, you, that that haven't turned into superpowers yet. You take that step past forgiveness and you step into your happiness and your joy. And you unlock these amazing, you expose these amazing gifts that have just been sitting right here along with that pain. And when you strip that pain away, that's the next thing to come out. And you will change people's lives because of that. Because everybody don't need to hear my story. Everybody doesn't need to hear Chris's story. Somebody needs to hear your story. Yes. But it starts here and fixing what's inside here. I wouldn't even say fixing, right? We're all perfect the way we are. It yes. starts by letting go of that pain so that you can take those superpowers and project them to the world for good. Dude, dude, this is so powerful. Can I keep you for a few more minutes? Because I, I normally end the show in an hour, but there's just so much. I just want to capture these comments because yeah. I want I want you to feel the love that is being conveyed here. I'm, I can't capture all the comments, but I just want you to know that by you sharing this, what you're doing, because I know the impact. Princeton says here, I love to hear when men like you sharing these victories over your traumas. As men, we have a responsibility to shine our light and to help other men to remove the mask that and, and to heal. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you, Princeton. Um, yes, uh, Nicole says here, go Aunt Diana. Uh, Diana says, love you. Thank you for supporting Walt. Thank you, Diana. I mean, God, I just want, I want to give you a massive hug. Um, thank you. Uh, Christy, uh, Christina says here, sitting here with her now. She's an amazing woman. Um, Brent, thank you so much for being here. Brent Toddy says you're awesome. Mom, Diana Manley, uh, and mom right here. This, this, this says it all. This once makes me want to cry. Um, love you, son. That, Mm -hmm. that, that is so, so beautiful. Uh, Kelly says best interview ever. So powerful. Uh, Christina goes, thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Um, Christina says an awesome friend to me. Grateful for her. Um, let's see. 
Brittany says here, you are an angel in my life. Walt, I am honored to walk this life with you and support you in such an incredible movement. Much love, big time. Robert says here, thank you, Robert, for uh, for spending your time with you. Diana is an amazing woman. So glad she was there for you. Uh, Diana says here, thank you. Princeton says, two great men. Thank you, thank you. Uh, our sister from another, Mr. Tara, says, I think they should co-author co a book together to help siblings through their parallel stories. Ooh, there you go. That's powerful. Faith says here, thank you, Faith, for being here. She says, it is. it has me going up and down because I remember everything. I love my brother. He has saved me many times. I have came from the darkest parts of hell. The Lord literally has helped me heal, and I'm still healing. We are angels walking on earth. Go, brother. That is so, so beautiful. Princeton says, uh, thank you for loving him and being there for him during this journey. Um, absolutely. Um, Ashley says here, love your perspective, Walt. Uh, Diana says here, uh, punkin you been to hell and back you, your testimony here. It's time. Proud of you. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, let me see forgiveness. Absolutely. Um, uh, Christina says here, I pray for my strange husband. He was abused and never healed so many issues. Now one day like you, God can help in healing, but we have to do all the work. Um, before I read some more comments, what is the difference? Because I, you and I have talked about the trauma, <coughs> both that we have we have chosen to move forward and to heal from these things and find for empathy and forgiveness to take our trash and make it our treasure by helping other people. Why is it that so many people do stay stuck in that victimhood? From your experience and the people you've coached, why is that? What is the difference between you and I and so many other people that just sit there and stay in that victimhood? Yeah, I think it's being okay, living comfortably uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. They sit there in the pain and, it, and it's an excuse not to go out and do the work. But mostly mm -hmm. I think it's because the fear and the lack of belief that they don't think they'll actually be able to find the happiness. And this and this is why we all Chris, you, me, like God, so many people that are that, that are in here putting comments in the chat. We share our stories. This is why we share the trauma to triumph room every single Wednesday on Clubhouse, because people need to know. They need to know that you can heal, that you will heal, that you can step into that power, that when you do, it's like transforming your whole freaking life. Yeah. Like, do you guys realize that? Do you guys realize what you're missing because you won't step through the pain? Because just on the other side of that tunnel I talked about is some goddamn light. And people like us are turning around and putting our hands out to say, you know what? I know you're tired. I know you've been on this journey. Give me your hand. I'm going to yank your ass up over the top of this mountain so you can see this light and stand up here in this grace with me and live differently. And then I want you to turn around and help the other person up the mountain um, that's right mm -hmm. behind you. Like, that's what it should be about. But people got to stop living in fear and being okay living in that quiet desperation and wasting their lives. Because I don't care if you got six months Six six days, six months, 60 freaking years left. Why not spend it being happy? Yes. Why not spend it being happy? Mm. Amen, brother. Amen. Uh, Kelly says here, wow, superpowers. Absolutely. Tara says, so many gifts. Uh, Nicole's commenting here, you cannot change the past. You can only take what happens and use it to show yourself and others how you can move, uh, move behind. Absolutely. Uh, Patricia says here, uh, you're amazing, Walt. Never forget that. Uh, yes, I want to. I want to second that as well. Um, uh, Diana says, "You love you, sister-in-law. Thanks for being here. Um, so, so massive." Um, Kelly Bone says, "Here, you give me the strength and courage to go where I have never gone before. That's powerful." 
finally facing my childhood pain I've never talked about or even allowed myself to truly feel. I now believe in the power of healing and ready to walk through the pain. Thank you, Walt. That is a testament to what to what you bring to the table, man. That's one of the reasons why I'm just so massively fond of you. We've only known each other for a few months, but I feel like I've known you, known you for my entire life. We have so many similarities in a lot of things that we do and say, you know, and thinking about people getting people to to move past their trauma. Um, I know you talk about four core strategies. What are those strategies that we can help share with people that, that to get them beginning to to walk in that that path as, as Kelly is just so uh, so vulnerably shared right now. So thank you, Kelly, for sharing that. What are those strategies that we can help people with? Yeah, first thing is speak your truth. And I talked about it at the beginning. And, and I, I know we're a little over time, but I think it's, this story is really important. I'm going to tell a two or three minute story. We're good. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys what I didn't realize the power of speaking my truth until I was a naval officer. I had about 250 sailors um, under my command. And 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 I'm a jokester, right, Chris? You know, it's like I love to joke. If I ain't giving you a hard time, it's probably because I don't like you. So um, so I love messing with people and I love getting it back in return. And there was a female sailor that worked for me at the time. And every like she walked past my desk three times that day. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not like her. I said, you just can keep walking past my desk all day and not say good morning. And she and she normally would be first to, to, to rib me. Right. And she goes, I'm just not having a great day. And I was like, hold, hold on. I said, are you OK? She was not really. And I said, let's take a walk. And we left the intelligence center and kind of walked through the halls. And I said, what's going on? She goes, I'm just really struggling with some things from my childhood. And I was like, really? And she goes, it's really hard for me to talk about. And I told her, I was like, I understand. I spent a lot of years struggling to talk about my childhood. And I told her just a little snippet, right? Maybe 60 seconds just to build some relatability and create this cocoon of safety, this safe space for her to be able to share her story. Absolutely. And she went on to tell me how she was molested by multiple men. And even her mom knew about it and didn't do anything. And I said, well, you allow me to help you get some help. And she had, she had a newborn daughter and she was struggling like as a mother now to rectify her mom, allowing that to happen to her, not realizing her mom's hurt. Right. Um, but uh, allowing this, this to happen. And she's like, I just, I'm so angry. And I said, will you allow me to get some help? So she said, yes. So, so we worked through to get her some help and I would, you know, I never forget. We talked 10 o'clock. That's your appointment, you know, every single Tuesday. And she, I said, if anybody gives you shit, if anybody asks you why you're going, you tell them Lieutenant McKinley said you could. And if they have a problem with it, come talk to you. And because it's a, only you and I know, nobody else needs to know what you're going for. And that way she could pick up her daughter in time for the daycare to close at the end of the day. And she sought help for six months. And I can see this amazing change in her. And I can see the blossoming in her and to just, just owning her power as a young woman. And, you know, we all transferred in the military at all different times. So she transferred. And then like a month or two later, I transferred. She found me about six months later. So a year into her journey, she walks in and I'm like, holy shit, like what's going on? You know? And she's like, Hey, do you have a minute, sir? And I was like, yeah, what's up? She goes, I'm going to ask you to take a walk this time. And we walk out and we sat down on the picnic bench just outside. And she sits down and she says, um, she says, you know, you are the first man that's ever cared about me without wanting something in return. Wow. Oh, she said, breaks my heart. And she said, I just want you to know you saved my life because I was going to take my life that day. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And I said, and still, I mean, it's been like 15 years, you guys, I still get choked up because it's not even a compliment. It's the most humbling thing a human being can ever, ever say to you.
-hmm. And I said, thank you for just trusting me. Thank you for just letting me be a little tiny piece in this journey for you. And it was in that moment, she didn't realize in the moment what she did for me. Mm -hmm. She showed me the power in my voice and my story and my ability to create a safe space to allow other people the space that they can step forward in their journey and heal. And I never stopped sharing my story after that day. And I have had women that are like, I have never told a man this. I don't know what it is. Like there's something about you that I just feel safe. I have had other men talk to me about the stuff that has happened to them, but it's all because I've spoken my truth. My truth allowed me to heal. Mm -hmm. Right. It allowed me to heal. And it took time. I shared a little, little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. But my truth has helped other people set their souls free because it allowed them to speak theirs because mm -hmm. I set that example for them. That is powerful. And your journey doesn't really start till you do that. Or actually, it does start because it starts with the decision to say, I'm worth it. Yes. I don't deserve to live in this pain. I don't deserve to live in this despair. And God dang it, I want to be happy. And look, guys, there's nothing special about me. I'm just a dude. I'm going to live. I'm going to die. I put my pant legs on one leg at a time. I struggle just like everybody else. I have amazing days just like everybody else. All I did was make the decision to move and then just take the damn steps every single day. And so the second step, right? Speaking of steps, you need to accept your abuse for what it was. This ain't time to sugarcoat it. People try to, oh, they did. They did the best they could. Oh, well, you know, because it wasn't that bad. And what drives me bananas is I have people say, look, I have a horrific story. I have people say, I know, Walt, but my abuse wasn't as bad as yours. Uh -huh. oh, Lord, I'm like, okay, you're about to get an ass person right now. Like, I'm about to chew you. Like, that's it. Like, you're going to get, you're going to get walted. That's what my, that's it. That, 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 that's that, that, oh, I got to remember that one. I, I'll show you the shirt later. My, my, um, all my managers wore that. Cause I just love advising people. They wore this in a meeting for my birthday one, one year, everybody had a hashtag got Walton shirt on. Um, and so, that's so awesome. she, I said, don't you ever, I don't care if you've been through abuse for five minutes or 15 years, uh -huh. don't you ever diminish what happened to you? Don't you ever compare to say, well, it wasn't as bad as yours. Cause you know, all you do is create an environment of shame for something that you're already struggling with. Mm -hmm. Trauma is trauma and the feelings and that part of that accepting what happened to you and acknowledging those emotions, which was hard for me. Um, you have to acknowledge and feel those emotions and get through those in order to get to the next phase where you're ready to forgive whatever that looks like for you where you can let go of that pain and give yourself that freedom to live that life you deserve. And that's the third step is forgiveness. So you've got speak your truth, accept what happened to you, acknowledge your emotions, forgiveness. And the last thing is exposing these superpowers I'm talking about. Look, guys, stop thinking about it in the way that life happens to you. Life has happened for you. And if you consider life happens to you, you're going to wallow as a victim and you're going to struggle your whole life. But when you think to yourself, man, I really mean this shit right here. I have never met more empathetic, grit-filled, compassionate, resilient, determined, just amazing, heartfelt human beings more than somebody who has done the healing work from trauma. And I'm sorry, it's a superpower. Like you can't be like us if you haven't been through trauma. All those people who haven't been through it, they can't be us, right? And so we got to dig out this damn pit of despair and we got to do this healing.
And we got these four steps. I gave you these tools that you could utilize to propel yourself forward. And I put it in the book as the last chapter because I'm tired of people saying, just get over it. Why can't you get past? I'm tired of that shit when people say that. So you yeah. know what I did? I want to leave people inspired in the book by talking about the comeback and then hit them with them four steps and, the, and how I learned my own journey in those. So that's the last chapter. Um, so give somebody something they could actually use to start their healing process. Because a book like... I wasn't even going to write it if it wasn't for my wife. The book is about everybody who's struggling, everybody who's ready or in the middle of their journey or at the end and just needs that inspiration to just keep going. And when you unlock those, when you expose those superpowers, when you, when you, ugh, you know, you rip that shirt open and there's these superpowers that have been sitting got a here, w. These, gifts, these gifts that you got that just turned into this amazing human being that's going to be you when you've done the healing. And you start to think about that shit and you start to go mm -hmm. look out the windshield of life instead of looking in the rearview mirror. You watch how quick your life changes. You watch how quick you feel better. Watch your relationships get better. Watch your boundaries get better. Watch your peace get better. Um, and most of all, just live in the happiness that, God dang, we all deserve, especially those of us. Everybody deserves it. But I'm telling you, all of us who've been through trauma, we damn sure deserve that. So focus on the superpowers, focus on where you're going and use where you've been to give you that rocket fuel to get there. Mm. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, yeah. You know what you, when you were talking about um, when she came and told you, you know, I was going to take my life that day. I can tell so many different stories about when I've shared my story. Cause I never told anybody I was homeless. I never told anybody I got my ass handed to me. Never told anybody about the failed suicide attempts. Never told anybody about that stuff. But one of the greatest gifts that I got in my life was when I started becoming a coach and a speaker so many years ago, I was sitting at a bar with a buddy of mine and I said, you know what I really want to do? And I'd already spoken on stages. I already told my story. I said, you know what I, I feel called to do, but I know I, I actually said this. I said, I know it'll never happen. I said, I would love to go back and talk to the kids in the seventh grade school, the junior high school that I dropped out of before I came, became homeless. I said, I would love to go back and tell those kids and let them know that I've been on a fucking hell of a journey since I left seventh grade right here in the bleachers where you guys are sitting and, but you can do it. And I said, I just was telling my buddy, I said, this is what I want. I want to tell all those 13 and 14 year old kids that this is what's up. Because as I was sharing my story, you're absolutely so right. When you sit there and you, you don't, you let go of that guilt and that shame, you know, that embarrassment. Like, I don't want to tell people I dug through dumpsters for food. I don't want to tell people that the guy at Burger King that I made friends with would give me the leftover food that people didn't eat. You know, that's how I ate sometimes. I never wanted to share that shit. But when I started finally sharing it, people started coming up to me. One of the greatest gifts, it was actually a, a YouTube video. The, the part I'm going to tell about isn't on the, the video. But I, the guy was I was sitting with said, uh, what school did you go to? here in Southern California. And I said, oh, and every time I mentioned it, 99.9% .9 of the time, nobody ever knows the school. I said, oh, it's Brookers Junior High in Anaheim, California. And we were here, we were in South County. And uh, and he goes, he goes, say that again? And I said, Brookhurst Junior High. I said, go Spartans. You know, just kind of joking around. He's all, my wife's a PE coach there. And I went, what the fuck? I said, Brookhurst and Crescent in Anaheim? Green and yellow. He goes, yeah. He goes, my wife's a PE coach there. He goes, I could probably talk to her and and she could talk to the principal. She's really good friends with the principal. I'm like, and I already knew at that time that getting into schools and speaking was was challenging and red tape and all of the bullshit. So I was like, okay, whatever. Three days later, I get an email. It's like, dude, here's the principal's phone number. They would they would love to have you come speak. So I uh, they actually had the newspaper that was going to come out there and see it. The Anaheim Bulletin. I brought a video videographer with me. And the God's Island Street, I spoke to the seventh grade class, the eighth grade class. I hadn't been, I hadn't set foot on that campus since I left when I, when I had to drop out, when we lost the house. And I went, went back in there. And I remember my first memory was looking at these kids 
and mm. thinking, okay, what are these fourth graders, fifth graders? I mean, I thought I was speaking to junior high school kids and they're like, no, 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 these are, I'm like, there's no way I was that little yeah. when I became a man. There's no way I was that little one. Nope, Chris, they're seventh and eighth grade. We didn't switch the game on you. And I gave the, I gave the presentations and afterwards had so many kids coming up saying, I'm at all of Crest Children's Foundation right now. Uh, my mom's a drug addict and I'm living in a car. I'm living in a motel. Every, yeah, every different story. Yes. And these kids were so young. And I was like, oh, I got to keep sharing this stuff. Yes. I got to keep, I got to keep. And I told the kids each one of the classes I said, and I've, every time I've spoken at a school, I've always said this. My, 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 my wish, my prayer, my request for each one of you guys is that one day you're going to be up here sharing your story with kids who need to hear what, what it is that you've been through and what you've gone through because life is happening for you. It's not happening to you. And so it's such a great gift. And I'm so thankful, dude, for you sharing your heart, sharing your soul, sharing your vulnerability. I see the impact every week that what we're doing in our clubhouse rooms, when you share your story, uh, I know people are hitting you up for coaching. Um, you know, I could just keep going on and on about this tonight. Um, Andrew says here, uh, thank you, Andrew, for joining us. He says, I'm so glad men like you can do it and let the monster out. Let's let us all heal the truth. Uh, the truth lives. God bless. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I just want to capture some of the other comments here. Um, Tara says, that's what makes me love you more, Christopher. I don't know what I said, but thank you. I love you too. Uh, Tara says, so much impact with the youth. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Stephanie says, so proud of you too, Christopher, for sharing your story. Thank you. This isn't about me. This is about you, buddy. Um, it does make a massive difference. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, God, there's so many different questions I could ask you. <laughs> I, think what it, I think what it will do in the interest of, since we've already been going for an hour and 13 minutes. Here, we'll, we'll do this. Um, once the book comes out, give me a chance to read it, and then we'll have you back yeah. on because then I'll ask you specific questions about that. And we can let all of the individuals here um, get a chance to read that. Um, so that we can, they can come back here and engage in the conversation as well. Perfect. Um, but definitely go to, for the guys listening, go to www.monstersinmyhouse.com. You can go there get a preview of the book. Um, and where else can people get a hold of you, Walt, to, to continue the conversation with you? Yeah. So um, you can go to www.waltmckinley.com. Um, all my social media is tagged on my website, so you can just go in there. I put out a lot of free content. So um, I'm doing reels. I'm having conversations. Um, and, and not just a meme. Sometimes I do that because it's so busy. But a lot of times I like to do a video to give people kind of like breathe that power into them um, if they're having a day that's struggling. So you could reach me on um, any of those platforms. Um, yeah, Walt McKinley Motivation on Instagram, Walter McKinley um, on Facebook. And, and, and I want to leave you guys with this, Christopher, because you mentioned this. I think this is so important and such a blessing. So I recently, um, you know, I've been invited to come speak and in, in, um, at one of the junior highs here, too. Um, I am have a friend who's connected me with the president of the college at William & Mary. Um, I'm going to speak in the corporate space um, a couple different times this year already. Um, or I have some stuff scheduled, I should say, to do it. And look, not everybody needs to hear my story, guys. Not everybody needs to hear Christopher's story. But there's so much power in just speaking your truth. And the more all of us have the courage to speak our truth, the more we lean into the healing where we get to the point where we can. And even if you're 75% healed, you're still more healed than that person at zero. Yes. And if you can speak your truth, you would be surprised the power that you can speak into the people around you. And more so, you'll be even, it's like, it's like I've gone from 90% healed to 150% healed if you could. 
knowing that I'm doing God's work and I'm healing other people along the way. There is no greater purpose in life. There is no greater blessing in life than to help somebody heal their wounds so they can go on and help that next person heal um, heal theirs. So look, if what I'm talking about, if, if you love what I'm talking about, you want to hear more about that perspective, um, I have a Calendly on my uh, website. You can go sign up on it, book a, book a free 30-minute call, um, you know, and I'll have that conversation with you. Um, I, I don't really coach that many people at once because it's a lot of emotion and I pour into people. I take, if I'm coaching you, I'm really serious about that. And I owe it to you to give you everything I've got. And I hold your healing. You got to hold it in your own hand. But I feel responsible for helping you get over that hurdle that's stopping you from living your best life, too. And I know the power that this movement can create, that this book is going to start with. Um, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we host a room on Clubhouse called Trauma to Triumph. Look us up. People are sharing their, a lot of people in this room share their stories. The power, not on, not in self, not even in the community, you guys, because a community only serves itself. The power in creating a community of people focused on doing, making a movement, making mm -hmm. a movement, showing the world that there's a better way, showing the world that seemingly is just collapsing in front of us half the time. The power of love and the power of healing. And because one person took a chance on me, one 24-year-old woman with a new kid and a new marriage and just trying to figure, think about when you were 24, what were you doing? Trying to figure out her life, taking a chance on a broken, hurt, stuttering, and yes, I said stuttering, 15-year-old boy. The ripple effect that that's going to have as we heal millions of people as part of this movement, as we all do this together and just build this momentum together, started with one. You can mm -hmm. be that one, not only for you, but for somebody else. And don't ever forget that. You have that power in you already. So I appreciate you, brother, man. This, You know me. I can, I love this stuff. So to, to, oh, Dude, we could be going. We could be like, just pause for a second. Let's go get our water refilled. Go take a piss. We'll come back here for another four hours. Like today. Uh, no, we'll definitely, we'll definitely make it a part two. Uh, Tara says here, yes, part two, most definitely. Um, uh, a fellow, one of my friends, Diana Poirier, uh, I think I pronounced that right. Uh, she says, I really need your help, please. Uh, I've spoken with Diana a few times. Her son, um, Jean-Guy, has been on my show. He uh, he runs the group PTSD with a smile. Uh, amazing gentleman. I've had a few conversations with Diana. So thank you, Diana, for reaching out. Definitely connect with uh, Walt. Uh, he just made the offer. So it's up to, incumbent upon you to go to his website, hit that Calendly, and, and set that appointment because I can promise you that you will start healing from your trauma most definitely. So So definitely connect with him. Um, just so many amazing uh, comments tonight. I'm going to go back and personally uh, comment on your guys' comments. Uh, so, so thankful for you guys uh, being here. Kelly says here, uh, you have me in tears. Completely proud of you guys. This is real work. Hashtag impact. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. So, so massively much. Uh, Stephanie says here, I second what Tara said. Let's have a part two. Absolutely. Uh, and just props, props to your wife for, uh, for stepping up and, 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 and getting on clubhouse and talking. So mad props. We'll get you on. We'll get you, we'll get you here on the show as well. We'll get you talking in front of millions of people. Um, yeah, I, there's millions of people watching right now. Uh, didn't want to, didn't want to sweat you right now. Uh, Christina says, don't give up. You seek help and encouragement. Um, absolutely. Uh, Ashley says here, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Ashley, amazing. Walt, so proud of you. 
just so many different uh, amazing comments right here. Uh, Stephanie says, love the work both of you are doing. Beautiful souls sharing your stories to help you heal others. Uh, nothing better than that. It really truly is. Yeah. Um, Faith says here, I love listening to the messages on Wednesday. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to be there tomorrow. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be doing it um, every single week. Uh, Tina says here is Clubhouse on Facebook. Uh, Clubhouse, you go to www.clubhouse.com. Uh, it used to be only available for iPhone, but it's now available for iPhone and Android. It's completely free. Uh, Tina, if you want to hit me up in the private chat, I'll send you a link to both of the rooms and I'll take care of that because I know both of the rooms already set uh, your room tomorrow. And then we have the men's group that we do at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time where we're specifically addressing men's issue to get them to be vulnerable and to start healing some of the anger and the resentment that's going on in the world today. Christina says, broken people, helping other broken people heal and move forward, telling our stories to do that. Awesome. Walter McKinley. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Stephanie says here, love you, Aunt Diana. You are a true hero. Absolutely. You are a true hero, Diana. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see what else is going on. Darlene says, thank you, Walt. Christopher, this was awesome. Thank you for being here and sharing your time with us. Um, Diana says here, uh, thank you. Great show. Catherine Stevens, what's on, Catherine? Uh, you are a warrior, Walt. Thank you so much. Um, and Andrew says here, Monstrous Inc. Love yous. Uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, so we're here every single uh, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the Raw and Scripted Show. So we'll definitely be back. Well, I'm going to send you backstage here for a second. I'm going to close out the show, but don't go anywhere because I want to have a chat with you still. But thank you, brother, from the bottom of my heart for being who you are, addressing the challenges that you had in your life. Obviously, you know, to a point where you would have wound up either dead or in jail, much like myself. And you chose the different route. You chose to go through that challenging route because on the other side, like you said, there is so much light. So thank you, brother. Uh, I appreciate you. So I'm going to stick you backstage here for a second and uh, we'll connect. Um, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, an hour and 21 minutes. Normally we don't go that long, but, uh, yes, in the words of Tina says here, phenomenal show. Absolutely. Uh, these are, this is probably one of those shows where I'm going to go back and listen to myself because as the interviewer, you know, sometimes I'm focused on the comments and focused on so much more, but there's so much power in the words that Walt shared tonight. And really it's our, it's our message. It's our, it's our intention with the clubhouse rooms, with the shows that we do, um, with everything that the impact is, is we want you guys you listening to this. We don't want you to just walk away and go, well, that was really inspirational. We want you to say, what is it that I can do in my own healing journey right now that I can take the first step tomorrow or take the first step tonight? Because when you take that first step, here's what happens. God, source, universe, whatever says, okay, you're ready for that next step. We're ready for that next step. So they're going to place things in your place things in your, your path that are opportunities, opportunities for healing, opportunities for addressing the challenges. And sometimes it may seem hard. It may seem overwhelming. It may seem uh, 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 that you can't even comprehend going through that challenge, but I can trust me on the other side, you will have so much power, so much confidence and so much genuine happiness and inner peace that you will not get any other way than facing your challenges head on. You have to do that. You have to get the right people in your, in your life. Stephen Covey talks about it. You know, the five people that are around you the most, those have influence in your life. And you can tell that Walt surrounds himself by amazing people. I surround myself with amazing people. Look at all the people that showed up here tonight. Um, both people that I know and Walt knows. Uh, it's been absolutely just a, just a blessing to be able to share this information with you. But again, when you take and you walk away from this conversation, please consider sharing the show and not only just share it, but share, you know, some, some tidbits about it, something you learned about it, share it to your social media people, because this is how we can influence uh, change. This is how we can influence the healing process by stepping up and having that voice to say, Hey, listen, if you're going through something, please connect with Walt. You guys can do that. 
And if you know of anybody who, who would be a fit for the show to come on here and share their story of healing and growth, please send them my way. I would love to highlight them and feature them here um, because that's what I'm all about here on the Ron and Scripted Show. And in my other show, The Unfiltered Experience, is having these, these vulnerable conversations so that we can help heal humanity. I'm on the board of directors for Help Heal Humanity. It's an amazing organization. And that's my mission in this world is that there's so many people out there hurting. There's so many people out there struggling. And together with our words and our encouragement and our, and our collabing together and realizing that we're more the same than we are different, we can start to heal some of the bullshit that's going on in this world, the divisiveness, the hating, the I'm right, you're wrong stuff. We can start healing that stuff because when you think about that, hurt people hurt people. Tara said it so beautifully before. So when we start healing some of that stuff, guess what's going to happen? The world is going to shift. And it's my intention, my vision every single day that I get up that I want to leave this world a better place for who I am and what I say and what I do for my kid and my kid's kids because our kids don't deserve to inherit a world that's all fucked up. So together as us adults and us grownups, we can be the, the, the change that we bitch about. So thank you guys all so much for being here and sharing this time with us. It's been amazing. I'm going to go back and check out all the comments and comment back with you guys. Um, but please join me here every single Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'd love to have you here on the Ron Unscripted Show and just uh, create an impact that uh, will never be forgotten. So with that, I love you guys. Go out and have a phenomenal night. And uh, I will see you next time here on the Ron Unscripted Show. Be kick-ass. Be legendary.